there was recently a letter out of Eretz Yisrael by Rav Yitzhak Silberstein, signed by Rav Gershon Edelstein as well, warning people against using firecrackers on Purim. My wife raised an eyebrow. She said people use firecrackers on Purim. Apparently, it's an issue in Eretz Yisrael. People use firecrackers on Purim. Firecrackers are dangerous. Zilberstein writes that people have lost fingers, people were blinded. Uh, terrible thing. And then he goes on and he says, he quotes from the Sefer Moed Lekolchai of Rabchaim Palaji that the use of gunpowder stems from the nations of the world. It's a Gaish custom. Jews shouldn't do it. Torah says, Losasek Maseem, we shouldn't engage in the customs of the non Jews. And it's. Uh, these instruments of death shouldn't be used. These are instruments of life and death. You shouldn't use them on Yom Tovim, because the Moed Hashem are given L'chaim V'lolamavas. These instruments of death shouldn't be used in any form, even on Purim and at weddings. So Rechaim Palaji was against using gunpowder for celebrations. Gunpowder is an, is an instrument of death, not, uh, not life. Shouldn't use it for Yom Tovim. And Rav Zilberstein or Rav Edelstein are against the use of firecrackers on Purim, because they're dangerous, and they quote Rav Chaim Palaji because it is a non-Jewish custom. Now, obviously, you shouldn't do dangerous things, and insofar as fi- firecrackers certainly are dangerous when handled improperly, and certainly uh, you know, that, 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 that's, uh, that's pretty much a no-brainer. You shouldn't be doing dangerous things. I want to discuss a little bit the other issue tonight raised by Rav Chaim Palaji, that using gunpowder to celebrate is a, is a non-Jewish custom, and therefore we shouldn't do it. He, throw, he throws in, additionally, it's a non-Jewish custom, and in particular, gunpowder is associated with death, not life, and therefore we shouldn't use it at celebrations of holidays, which are l'chaim nitnu, and, uh, and, and so I want to discuss that idea. We'll, we'll discuss uh, some various different perspectives on this question. So we're going to study a tshuva, we'll begin by studying a tshuva of Rebetzal Zolti. Rebetzal Zolti was a great Talmud Chacham in Yerushalayim, middle of the last century. He has a tshuva, which is printed in the journal Noam. His, his, case, his question he addresses was as follows. He says, Bidvar I'm not sure if someone actually asked him this, or if this is just an essay he wrote in the form of a she'ela and a, and a, and a tshuva. The question was, Im shel the ceremony of a military funeral, the laying of wreaths, wreaths of flowers, <coughs> virios, and guns, gun salutes, firing guns to, to salute the, the departed, firing guns in the air, when they seal the grave, is that prohibited on the grounds of that we don't, uh, there's a prohibition, we've discussed many times, there's a prohibition against following in the, walking in the, the ways, the ordinances of the non-Jews. So are these protocols, military funerals, wreaths, gunshots in, in, celebra- in uh, commemoration of the, of the, of the death, is that, is that prohibited for Jews on the grounds of Chukoseim Lotelechu? So, the Western world, Jews in Eretz Israel who follow their customs, fire guns at, at military funerals. The Arabs, I think, famously fire guns in celebrations, at weddings. They shoot guns into the air. 
I don't think we do that in, uh, on joyous occasions, but we do that on somber occasions. It's an old military tradition to fire guns in salute of a, uh, of a distinguished uh, military veteran. So that was the question they asked Rebetzal Zolti. Is, a milit- is, is the use of firearms, along with wreaths, and another aspect, perhaps, of military funerals, is this prohibited for Jews on the grounds of B'chukoseim Lotelechu? Now, B'chukoseim Lotelechu, this, this is something that we discussed many times in the past. There, there's, a, there's a fundamental question, what exactly is prohibited on the grounds of B'chukoseim Lotelechu? It's not, we generally understand, it's not usher to wear pants or Western-style dress. You know, most of us, we dress in, outside the Hasidim and outside maybe some groups in Israel. Most of us dress pretty much in the same, more or less the same fashions in which the non-Jews dress. The women change, change things because it's news, but the, by, by and large, men certainly, and even women to some extent, dress the way the Western society dresses. We eat with forks, we eat the food that, the, we eat the food that non-Jews eat. We obviously, we have our traditional Jewish dishes as well. On Shabbos, we have our, our gefilte fish and chicken soup and matzo ball and, and stuff like that. But uh, by and large, we eat hamburgers and pizza. I heard, I think, that when pizza was first uh, beginning to become popular in the U.S., that there were actually some, some postkim who felt that eating pizza was chukus somehow. But, but again, I mean, m- much of our cuisine is, is basically the cuisine of our host countries. And obviously, we can't just say anything that the non-Jews do is usur for Jews. So what exactly is included in this, in, this, in this prohibition, and how does this prohibition apply or not to military funerals? So Rabbi Zalti has a, a longish analysis of this topic, in which he has uh, a number of ins and outs, and a, a number of, uh, I only excerpted a small part of the tshuva, but he has, he has a number of ins and outs, not all of which are directly connected to this particular question, but one of, one of the central things, perhaps the central, the central authority he cites, is a passage in the Ran. The passage in the Ran is referring, is, is, is explaining a Gemara. The Gemara talks about a, a custom they used to have in the time of the Talmud, in, in earlier times, time of the Bible perhaps, that when a king would die, they would burn property. They would just destroy property, deliberately wasteful, ju- just to destroy useful and valuable property to commemorate his passing, to show how, how upset and how, how disappointed they were. So the, that's called Sarfan al-Hamalachim. And this is something that the non-Jews used to do as well. They used to destroy property when, when, when kings died as well. And the Talmud rules that we are allowed to do this, Sarfan al-Hamalachim, Below, and, 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 and this does not violate the, the concern of Darche Hamari, the concern of Chukas Agayim, of Darche Hamari, the ways of the Emirates, that this, uh, this custom, even though it is a non-Jewish custom, this does not violate the, the prohibition of, of, of uh, imitating, of aping the, the customs of the non-Jews. Why not? That's the, that's the million-dollar question. Why not? So again, you know, intuitively, even before we start, the reason this is an issue, presumably, is because, again, sim- as Russia Weiss makes this point, simple customs that make sense, eating with a fork and driving a car, even though we got those ideas from the non-Jews, perhaps, it doesn't matter. The, those are logical and sensible and practical things to do that are eminently, uh, eminently sensible and, ra- and fundamentally rational things. That's not Chuk Sagayim. Chuk Sagayim starts to be an issue when we have 
you know, customs that, that are not obviously and objectively necessary and, uh, and, and, and reasonable. Something like this, like, like burning, burning stuff when the king died. There's no obvious and necessary reason to do that. It's a somewhat uh, you know, strange and idiosyncratic custom. That's why there are other ways to commemorate the death of a king. You can have a military funeral, you can fire guns, you can, uh, you can play somber music, you can, have, you can do all kinds of things, you can wear black, you can, a lot of ways you can, you can commemorate a death. So th- this is a fairly arbitrary and fairly uh, not intuitively obvious way to commemorate a death. So that's why the, the Gemara raises the issue, the Rishonim raised the issue. So why exactly is this not Darchi Amari? Why is this not considered Kukas Agayim? So the Ran explains as follows. This does not violate the prohibition of Darchi Amari, the prohibition of doing the things the non-Jews do. Why? The only types of Gaiish practices, the only types of non-Jewish practices the Torah forbids. It says, uh, only Dvarim shall hevel, nonsense, ubatala, Things that are, are things that are dumb and pointless. The kulon The problem is all these pointless and meaningless things. We suspect, we we presume, have their roots in avodazara. If we don't know why they're doing it, this is like the the archaeologists, the the when, when the historians when when they when, when they find ancient items or ancient inscriptions. So when they seem useful, like forks or jars, they explain, oh, this jar was used to store oil, or this uh, tablet was used to record uh, diplomatic treaties. When they find things that make no sense, things that have no, no imaginable use, that just seem strange, or they say, oh, it's probably uh, some kind of cultic or ritual or, or religious significance. That's kind of the catch-all. If you don't know what something is, you suspect that it had some kind of religious or... Or mystical significance. That's that, that's reflected in this halacha. Says the Ran. Any time they have a practice which doesn't have a rational basis, has no justification, then we, that, that's when we say it's chuk sagayim. That's when we say losasik masayim, darchei amari, and so on. Aval varim shaltam sharu. Anything which has a reason is mutter. Now again, even though the reason for this sarfin al malacha might not be as transparent and obvious as eating with a fork or or, or riding on a horse, that those are eminently self-evidently sensible and logical things. Says the Ran, no, but Sreif al Malachim has a has a rational explanation as well. Hasreif al Malachim, Taima Ika, Listraf Lukvodun, Mishan. There is a reason we burn in their honor, their personal accoutrements, and there's a reason for it. It's not just wanton destruction. The Ran explains, not simply, as I said before, to show that we that we have grief, but to show that the king is so special, the king is the king is one of a kind. No one else can use his personal accessories, so we're just going to destroy them. So there is a, there is a logic, behind, there is a method behind this madness, there is a logic behind doing this. <coughs> it's a way of expressing the king's uh, specialness, the king's uniqueness, that we burn his personal accessories after he's gone, as a way of underscoring and, and publicizing that there is nobody left on his level, nobody left to use his stuff. Okay, so this is the run that... The Ran basically elaborates on what we said before, that, that Chukas HaGayim does not apply to practices that have, that, that have rational explanations. Sreifal HaMalachim has a rational explanation, and therefore there is, therefore there's no prohibition of Los Asikim when it comes to this custom of Sreifal HaMalachim. The Ramah, in Shulchan Aruch, there's a very brief simon, just one or two sifim on Chukas HaAkum, 
So the Ramah in, in Yerdea, Simon Kufai and Ches, where, 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 the, where the laws of Chukas Akim are brought, so the Ramah brings this Ran. There are other, other Rishonim as well who say similar things, but the, the, the Ramah briefly brings this, brings this Ran as his normative that, 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 that the Ramah explains. Chukas Akim only applies to things that, that have no basis and that are superstitious or mysterious. After the, 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 the Shulchan Aruch brings the language of the Torah and the Rambam that we don't do things like the Goyim do it, says the Ran, all this is only us or something they do either for Pritzus, that comes from another tshuva of the Marik, which we're not going to get into tonight, even if it's not a Vodazari, even if there is a very rational basis for it, if the rational basis itself is a degenerate basis, then that's something that's Chuksa Goyim as well. If it's immodest, it, they, they wear red clothes which are, which are vulgar and, uh, and showy, or, it, or it's just big day shachatz vagava, it's something that it, it's uh, ostentatious. These are, all, these are all immodest and un-Jewish, uh, un-Jewish things. So that, that's something which is usher. So that's what the Marik says. It's something which, something which is, so a style which is, which is fundamentally vulgar and immodest, that's usher, even, no, even though there's no avodazara. Or he says, or, and he says the criterion of the Ran says, something which is a minigal ulachok, there's simply no rational explanation at all. We can't think of a, 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 a reason for doing this. Then we, ha- then we have to be choshesh. It's also because of Darche Amari. Maybe there's a Shemetz of Avodazara in it. That, that they, it's an ancient tradition of Avodazara. There are actually three Sifim in, in this simon, but this is the first, most important one. However, the Ran, the Ran says, he brings from various Rishonim. The, the Ramah says, bring from various Rishonim. Something which they do with Toelas, it has some constructive purpose. He brings the example of the shuva of the marik. That anyone who is a physician would wear a particular style of clothing, kind of like a uniform. It was a way of showing and advertising who's a physician, who's certified. It was a way of uh, of, of publicizing their credentials, publicizing their expertise. There might not be any, any objective reason for wearing this particular garment. We're not talking about uh, a utility belt or something which necessarily, obviously, and logically aids them in their profession. We're talking about wearing some kind of garb which shows that you're, you're a physician, that you're an expert and people can hire you and so on. They do it for covered or for, or for, or for, for Parnassa. That's not Chuk Zagayim, the Marik says, and that's what the Ran says. And that, that, that's what the Ran says. Sarfan al-Malachim, you're allowed to, this custom of burning the, the accessories of the king, that's mutter. That's mutter because the Ein Amari, again, because the, the Ramah Paskin is based on various Rishonim, we're allowed to do anything that has a rational basis. Again, and, and the Chiddush is, even though it's not something which is fundamentally, objectively rational, it's not like you know, using a fork to eat or using a horse to ride on or a car. You, know, you don't have to wear this uniform that they could have had some other way. Of, uh, there's nothing inherent and objectively useful about this uniform. There's nothing inherently uh, about burning the clothing of the melech that, uh, that serves a useful purpose. But since we can attribute some kind of social meaning to it, that's enough, that, that's enough to be called it has, that, that's enough to say that it has some kind of constructive purpose it is neither immodest, nor is it something which is, which is superstitious and, and suspect of being idolatrous, and therefore it's mutter. Again, one could have argued that Baltashkas is a Jewish value, destroying useful property is, uh, is something we shouldn't do, so therefore it is considered something, uh, a minhag that's against the Torah, but no, the, the Ran understands, since this is something that has, Baltashkas is justified when we have some kind of constructive purpose, the constructive purpose here is showing cover to the king, Therefore, this is mutter. It's not of avodah It's not something mysterious and uh, bizarre that 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 smells of avodah It's not preachers apparently, and therefore it's mutter. That's the that's the ruling of the ran, 
another Rishonim, and that is the ruling of the Ramah. Now, opposed to the Ramah, opposed to the Ran, opposed to the sheet of the Rishonim, is the Vilna Gon. The Vilna Gon in his Bir Hagra, in his notes to the Shulchan Aruch, he has a long rebuttal of this opinion. He, the, he says that the Ran is against a Gemara. The Ran is against a Gemara. The Gemara says, what the Gemara discusses, capital punishment, execution. The Gemara says that the Gemara brings different opinions. So there are four types of Mises Basin we know. There is Skila, Sreifa, Herak, Vachenek. Skila means stoning, throwing the person off a, off a building and then throwing rocks at him. Sreifa is burning. It's accomplished by putting uh, molten, molten metal, molten lead down, down his throat. Chenek uh, is strangulation. And Hereg is, Hereg is done with a knife. Hereg is executing somebody with a knife. Certain Averis, the punishment is Hereg is done with, is done, is done with a knife. So the, there's Machlokas Tanam, exactly how you do it. One opinion says it is beheading, it's decapitation, the way the Malchasosa, the way the non-Jewish government, the Romans presumably do it. It's a, Hereg is decapitation. Another Tana objected. He said, you can't do that. The Torah says that you're not allowed to copy the, the ways of the non-Jews. That's what they do. So you can't do that. So the Rabbanans say, no, it's not because it's because since the Torah says use a sayif, the Torah tells you to use a knife, anything written in the Torah, we didn't get it from them, we have it in our Torah already. So it, 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 it's, an, it's a native custom and therefore it's not subject to Chukasagayim. The Gon says, the implication of this is, if it wouldn't be Ksiva Daraisa, had the Torah not explicitly endorsed and prescribed the use of Saif, then it would violate B'chuk Even though it's not an idolatrous custom, the fact that the Romans beheaded people, that wasn't done for idolatrous reasons, apparently. That was done because it was a, uh, that was how they decided to execute people. That, 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 that was, you know, it's a little, uh, it's a little gory, but, but, that, but that, that was how various cultures in the world decided to kill people. It, it doesn't have an idolatrous doesn't have an idolatrous purpose. So you see that even things which are not being done for idolatrous purposes, even though they can be logically defended and justified, unless we have this idea that Ksiva Baraisa, that we had at first, it was mentioned in our Torah first, we don't, uh, it's Asher because of Chukzagai. Similarly, the same Gemara goes on, it talks about Sarfan Alamalachim, the custom to burn the personal accessories of the king. The Ram said that that's, that's not Chukzagayim because, because it's... Uh, Ran said it's not Chukzagayim because it has a logical reason. But the Gemara gave a different reason. The Gemara says, because Ksiv Sreifa Baraisa. In Tanakh, we find that, that, that certain kings, it uses the term Sreifa, which Chazal are interpreting, means that they burn their possessions when they died. Some actually discuss whether it means cremation, they burn the kings themselves. But the, but the, the Gemara understands, I think, that Ksiva Sreifa Baraisa, that the, the Tanakh describes burning the possessions of kings when they died. And that's why it's mutter. So that's not like the Ran. The Ran says it's mutter because it has a logical justification, because it's a way of showing covered uh, and, to, and it's a way of uh, underscoring the uniqueness of the king. The Gemara says a different reason. The Gemara says it's only because it's Ksiva Barisa. That, that reason is not a good reason. That reason is not sufficient. Even if we have a, a, a logical explanation for the custom, again, if it's not something inherently necessary like using a fork or driving a car, if it's just a question of style and social, social mores, it's Osir, unless it's Ksiva Barisa. So the Gon says the Ran is wrong, the Ramah is wrong, that even things that have reasons are usher anyway, and the, are usher anyway, and the Gon therefore disagrees. Again, the, the, the Gon in general defers to Rishonim. 
Machlokas, sometimes he decides uh, which way to go, but every now and then the Gon was, uh, was a towering figure, the Gon was bold. Every now and then the Gon simply disagrees with Rishonim. In this particular case, even though it's, uh, it's Iran and it's a Marik, and it's a, uh, we'll discuss, uh, it's also a Rivash soon, we'll see, even though it is Gedoli Harishonim, and there are more Paskins like that, the Vilna Gon disagrees. The Vilna Gon has a much stricter, much more expansive definition of Chuksagayim. Anything, that, that, anything that, that, that's, a, that's a custom of the Gentiles, and we can't point to a place in the Torah that we had first is Aser. Again, Rosh Weiss explains, it doesn't, it doesn't mean you can't drive a car, it doesn't mean you can't, uh, you can't you know, use agricultural techniques that the non-Jews use. I mean, if it makes sense, it makes sense. If it's an objectively sensible thing to do, you can do it. But things which are, what, what, what the Villingon's the position seems to be, things which are not objectively logical customs, they, they are social conventions, even if we can find a, a rational justification for the social convention, since it isn't something that's inherently logical and sensible, the Vilna Gon says that is usher because of Chukas The Rav Zolti then returns to the Ramah. He quotes the Ramah and says that, that the Ramah is, is more lenient. The Ramah has a, a narrower definition of Chukas It's only usher if it's superstitious and therefore possibly idolatrous or pretzus or un-Jewish. So he brings the he brings he so so he he bring he brings the Rama, then he brings the Amachlokes we shown him he infers this is what he spends much of the tshuva doing which we glossed over he spends he spends a he spends a while discussing whether the Isser, once you get past the Vodazar itself assuming Chuksagayim extends past that some shown him say it's Daraisa, but uh, there are there, there is a sheet of the, of the Ram and the Smag he says that 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 Chuksagayim, anything at least anything that's superstitious or whatever it is. Is Asr Midaraisa, but he says the Shita of Rov Rishonim, the Rif and Rashi and Tosis and the Meiri and the Ran and the Tur, they all say that even where Chukzagayim applies, it's only if it's something that it's uh, it's a Chok for Avodah But if it's if it's just something that say that, that the, the Daraisa Isser is very limited, it's only to Avodah But even if Chukzagayim applies to other things, like the like the case where the Ran says it applies to things which have uh, you know no rational basis, but if it's not actually Avodah that's an Isser that's only Midrabanim. So, so first of all, we have a machlokas between the Gon and the, the Ramah and the Ran and other Rishonim, whether Chuksagayim extends at all, even with Rabbanon, whether, whether it extends to practices which are not, which are not, uh, which do have a rational basis, but are social conventions of the Gayim. The Ramah says that's totally mutter. The Gon says that's Asr. And then within the Shittas, that, all the Rishonim that do extend Chuksagayim beyond Avodah some say that's Daraisa, others say that those extensions to, to other types of superstitions and improper customs are only midrabana, not daraisa. So again, this is about you know, eight pages, ten pages of the tshuva of Zolti goes through. But Maskana Sadvarim, his conclusion after after setting forth the, these various opinions, his conclusion is hine. The gufa she'ela, getting back to the military funerals, the laying the laying of floral wreaths and the firing of of guns. Lachari says, in light of the above. There would be basis to allow the, the ceremonies of a military funeral, even though it's Chukshagayim, there'd still be basis to permit it. Because again, it's not a Vodazara, it's not it's not idolatrous, it's an it's a no tzvai, it's a, it's a military custom. They do it because of covered ames, they do it to show honor to the to the departed. And that's Mamish the case of the Ram, that's Sarfan Alam Alachim. anything they do for covered, the Ramah Paskins, like the Marik, like the Ram, that it's mutter. 
Uvimiyuchad, he says, and particularly because of the sheet of Rov Rishonim, that even Rakuksagayim does apply past Avodazara, it's only Midrabanan. So anyway, we're not dealing with the Daraisa. We're dealing it with, since it's certainly not actually idolatrous, worst case scenario, it's, it's an Isra, of a, it's an extension of Chuksagayim. That extension past Avodazara, according to Rov Rishonim, is Drabanan. Vyesh Lahosif, and he has a, a third Sad Lahakel, there's a Shita of Rabbi Eliezer of Metz, one of the great Rishonim, 12th, 13th century. The sheet of Rebeliezer of Metz in his Sefer Yireim, which is brought by the Hagos Hamanios and the Beis Yosef and the Bach, his sheet, he has a very, very narrow understanding of the prohibition of Darche Amari. He notes the fact that the Tosefta and the Talmud Bavli and Shabbos, they both list, they enumerate certain specific practices which are prohibited as Chuksagayim. So they say it's an enumerated list, it's, a, it's an exhaustive list, the only things that are prohibited are the things on that list. Chazal had a Kabbalah, that these things are Chuk Sagayim. The, he says that, that Chazal, Chazal gave us a list of what's Chuk Sagayim, he says. Ein lahosif alam, we don't add anything else, we don't extend the prohibition to anything else. Einam misvara kiim Kabbalah, just like we have, let's say, tefillin. How do you make tefillin? The Torah says, uh, tie, tie the totafos on your, on your arm and on your head. How do you do it? So we have, tar- we have a Tarash of Alpet. It has to be black. It has to be square. It has to have these four parashiyos. It has to be done like this. It has to be done like that. So Chuk Sagayim, Reblazer of Metz says, the Torah just says, don't do their things. So again, the same fundamental problem everyone is grappling with. What are their things? Which things? So according to the Uraim, the answer is, we don't have to look for, for principles and rules. It's simply an enumerated, exhaustive list that Chazal had the Kabbalah. They had a Tarash of Alpet. They had a tradition that certain prohibitions are meant, are the ones that the Torah is prohibiting by telling you don't do like the Gaim. Those are the ones that are usher, the ones that are enumerated. Anything else is mutter. So according to this list, it, it's a very, very narrow prohibition. It certainly does not apply to military funerals. So we have a number of different arguments to be lenient. The, mo- the, the, the strongest one, of course, is the first one that the Ramah says, based on the Ran, based on the Marik, that anything which is not... Uh, superstitious and idolatrous and immodest and un-Jewish is mutter legamri, coupled with the fact that some say chuk sagayim beyond avodazar is anyway only drabbanan, coupled with the Uraim, who says that we don't, we don't prohibit anything that's not enumerated in the Gemara. So therefore, there, there'd be very solid grounds for being lenient and allowing military funerals. However, he says, Ach, since the Gra disagrees with the Ramah, the, the Gra takes a much broader view of Chuksagayim, and he says even social conventions that are not idolatrous, that are not superstitious, are usher if they're a mere social convention of the Gayim, and we didn't have it first, it's Naksiva Baraisa, that's usher. Therefore, Abatal Zelti says, because he doesn't agree with Ramah, he thinks the Ramah is wrong, he thinks anything that's not Kasiva Baraisa, anything that we wouldn't do without, again, without a social convention of them. Again, a fork. If someone gave us a fork, we'd say, great, that's a great idea. I'd like to use that too. But something that we wouldn't do unless they did it first, we're clearly copying their their traditions. On our own, we wouldn't have naturally, we wouldn't have naturally, intrinsically come up with the idea of a a military funeral with firing guns and so on. And such a thing is usher because of Chukus Akum, Imkain, Teches, Shel Levayat, Levayat, so based on this gra, a military funeral is usher under the prohibition of chuksagayim. That's the position of Rabbi Tzal Zolti. That, 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 milita- that even though he agrees that there are pretty good grounds for being lenient, because we and, and fundamentally based on the Ramah, uh, 
which is fundamentally based on the Ramah. However, because the Gra is Cholik on the Ramah, and the Gra in the, in the Lithuanian yeshiva tradition, the Gra has a tremendous authority, a tremendous weight, Lahalacha, therefore, Rav Zolti rules that, the, that a military funeral, we should be Choshish for the Gra, and it should be awesome. Rav Asher Weiss also takes a position, the, the great contemporary authority, also takes a position very similar to Rav Zolti. He was, he was asked, he, he, he wrote a, a general essay, an interesting essay on Chuksagayim, and he says, you know, after going through the various yeshitas, the things we've been discussing, so he says, Yesh Lahair, he says he has a comment, there's a minhag that uh, some Jews who are straying from the path of the Torah, they, they put floral wreaths on Jewish graves, even though he says, again, he's, he's not talking about a military funeral per se, he's talking about the laying of wreaths on graves, he says, even though according to the Ramah, then there'd be no violation because there's a tam, there's a svar, it's the cover to the mace. Ravad Yosef indeed has a tshuva where he says, it's fine, it's fine to do that because it's uh, mikret. He says we should encourage, we should, in general, we should encourage the, the mourners to follow Jewish traditions. We, we don't need non-Jewish traditions of mikret, and it's fine, he says, because mikret, then Ravad says, we follow the Ramah, and we follow the Ran, and we follow the Marik, that we follow the Rivash, that we'll discuss soon, that anything done for a rational reason of covet, even if it wasn't our idea first, even if we're even if we are clearly, clearly uh, participating in a non-Jewish custom, it's an innocent custom. It's a perfectly logical and sensible custom to show cover to the mace, and therefore, even though according to, so according to the Ramah, this is all mutter, and Rav Avadia therefore felt this is fine. But Rav Asher says, like Rav Sal Zelti, he says, "Alibadagra, we have the sheet of the Vilna Gon, that it's an it's an isidaraisa. The Gra says it doesn't matter if it's logical, if it's a non-Jewish custom, and we can't point to the fact that we had it first in the Torah." Therefore, Rav Asher says, according to the Gra, it, uh, it, it, it's a chashash of Isu Daraisa, and Rav Asher as well feels that you should be choshesh for the Gra and not do this. Pshita, he says, the minhagzeh, ain roi, it's inappropriate, it's not covered of the mace to, to adorn him with minhage agayim, he says. Similarly, he says, the erection of monuments, he says, for, uh, for, for, for memory of the fallen, to commemorate, uh, to commemorate fallen soldiers, or so on. He says, there's no real makar in, in our tradition for this, he says. Even though he says, uh, Avshalom made a uh, monument to himself, Yad Avshalom, not clear he was right. Avshalom is not the, is not the paradigm of, uh, of righteousness. He says, it's, it's a Goyish custom, it's not appropriate, he says. Similarly, and this is a controversial point, he says, similarly, moments of silence, standing for a moment of silence, for, uh, for Edus and Zikaron, he says, it's a Shalav Alav Daraisa, according to the Gro, he says. He says, it's a, it's a question of a lav daraisa. This is not a Jewish custom. Standing for moments of silence is not Jewish, he says. It's a non-Jewish custom. And therefore, it's a question of a lav daraisa. Not sure, again, what he expects people to do in Israel, whether he, whether he expects them to just keep driving and go on their business. And you know, that, that's a possible question of Chil Hashem. I'm not sure if he's passing Lamaisa this way, but, but he feels, in principle at least, moments of silence, what he calls amidat dom, standing silent, is a... Uh, is a similar things is, is a question of kuksagayim. So like Rabbi Zalzelti, he says, he says it's uh, like Rabbi Zalzelti, he says we should be choshesh for the gra, and we should not do these things. It's a question of an issue daraisa. Now, Rabbi Chiliak of Weinberg, the author of the Sri De H, he says he was not happy with Rabbi Zalzelti. He said that he thinks Rabbi Zalzelti went too far. That that that, that there's no. Uh, that, 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 that he thinks that, that, that he thinks that, that Zolti is going too far, that uh, he's being too machmer. 
and basically because the, who said the Gra is Lalacha here? It's against Ramad, it's against Rishonim. The Sri Deesh says, he says, Dvarav Shalagonar Batal Zelti is against the Rivash. We'll discuss the Rivash in a moment. And even the Gra, he says, uh, he says, even the Gra who says that even if we even if the Gra who was who had broad shoulders and was willing to disagree with the Rishonim, the Isra is only if you're trying to learn from them, if you're deliberately want to uh, participate in their customs. He says, this is not called, we, we're not doing it to learn from them. We're doing it to avoid disgrace. We, we, don't, want, we don't want the non-Jews to look down on us as being savages, as being primitives, he says. And therefore that, he says, that, that, that there's nothing wrong with that. Simply avoiding, uh, avoiding ignominy, he says, that's fine. Ludaiti says the three days, Hifriz, I go to Alamida. He thinks that Rav Zolti has gone too far in Minchoshesh for this Rivash, in Minchoshesh for this Gon, and therefore he says, this is not, uh, even the Gon might not answer, he says, and uh, he says even the Gro wouldn't answer in this case, and the Gro is against Rishonim. Therefore he says, to, to, be, to be so machmer, to, to answer things like this, as I said, that's sort of about his position as well. He says that uh, the Iker is like these Rishonim, the Iker is like the Ramah, and anything that has a rational basis, even if it's a non-Jewish custom, that's still okay, that, that's not something that we have to prohibit. The Rivash that we've been mentioning, Rivash is a tshuva, and he takes a position similar to that of the Ran, and that of the Marik. The Rivash was discussing various funerary customs, and he says that the... He, so, so he brings, he brings that the... He, he brings a, the custom of a certain city. He says that they would go to the... That, that, that they would go to the... That, that they wouldn't go to work during the shiva. Instead, they would go to the cemeteries either for Hespit or to say certain prayers. He says, even though there are halachas in the Gemara about, about an Avel, about an Avel not going out, he says, but the, he says, that, that, that minhag you can leave. At the end of the tshuva, he says, in general, he says, I, in general, I encourage you to, uh, I, I encourage you, he says, not to, uh, not, not, not to disrupt them and hug him of your, uh, not to disrupt him and hug him, he says. I, I says, I, I, I requested many times that you shouldn't, uh, be too critical and too analytical about Menhagim and these things, he says. If you want to, if you want to get along, if you want to be Omedim on Bishalom, don't start off with Menhagim, he says. But when, when he explains the halachic aspect of this, when he explains, he says, why it's not, he says, this was indeed a non-Jewish custom. The, the Arabs, the Ishmaelim, the Muslims used to do this, he says. They used to visit the cemetery during the Shiva, apparently. Says the Rivash, that doesn't matter. That's not called the Gaish custom. And he says, very similar to the Ran. He says, Einza Chuka. That's not the chukah that's usher because of b'chukah se'el l'telechu, because sarfan al-malachim. He says, why is sarfan al-malachim mutter? So the gun says it's mutter because it's k'siva baraisa, because we had it first. But the, but the rivash says, like the ran, it's mutter because it's not a chukah. Chukah means something superstitious, something that has no reason, like chok, it's a chok below tam. This is not chukah, this is chashivusa. This is something, it's a way of showing respect. Sarfan al even if the goyim do it as well, that's not, that's not Darachia Murray, he says. The fact that they do it doesn't mean it's Asr. He says, well, let's Asr Hesper. He says, we should Asr Hesper as well, because the Goyim do Hesper as well. Again, the Gun would tell you, what do you mean the Goyim do Hesper? But we had Hesper first. It's Ksiva Baraisa. It says, Vayavo Avraham, Lispod Lisarav, Livkosa. You're not going to Asr Hesper because we had it first. It's something that we don't have first, a custom that has no mention in the Torah, and we clearly got from our non Jewish neighbors, that could be worse. But the Rivash doesn't distinguish like that. The Rivash just says, that, that if a custom makes sense, if it's not a chok, if it has a rational explanation, then it's okay, even though, even though, the, even though the, 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 it's a custom of the non-Jews as well. 
and even though they do it as well, again, because the because it has a rational basis like the Ran, and that's what the three days says that that, that Rabbi Zolti is wrong, Rabbi Weiss, I guess, is wrong as well, according to these opinions. Ravavadia and the three days, they, they say we have the Rivash, we have the Ran, we have the Marik, we have the Rama. Any custom that has a rational basis is fine, and the, the fact that the Goyim do it doesn't bother us. This machlokas between the Gra and his supporters and those who follow the Rishonim comes up in a, in a very interesting context, which I think we've discussed in the past, and that is the minhag to have flowers and trees, to put flowers and trees in shuls and homes on Shavuos. So there's an old minhag, going back to the Ramah, that they used to put the asavim, greenery, in, in the, they used to use that to decorate the, the, the homes or the shuls on Shavuos, Magen Avram brings the custom with trees. They used to have trees. The Vilna Gon was against it. We don't have a discussion in his own writings in Bir Agra, but it, it, various, various of his followers and his students record the Vilna Gon was opposed to this custom. Some say he was opposed to trees specifically. Some say he was opposed to all the, the entire custom of greenery. The Vilna Gon was opposed to the custom because he says this is what the Gaim do. Now, I remember when I first saw this Grah and I heard him say that you shouldn't have trees because the Gaim do it, I assumed he meant the Goyim have Christmas trees. Not, it's actually not what the Goyim meant. What the Goyim meant was that the holiday of Pentecost, Eastern Orthodox, the, the way they Pentecost is, means 50, Pente means 50. It's a holiday that, that occurs 50 days after, I think, uh, after Easter. After it, 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 It's just like Shavuot, it's 50 days after Pesach. Their holiday of Pentecost is also around the same time as Shavuot. It's around 50 days after the holiday that's around Pesach. And there's a custom in some Eastern Orthodox circles that they would celebrate the festivity of the, the joy of Pentecost by churches, I think, by, by putting flowers and green grasses in the churches. So the Gon said, okay, it's Chuk Sagayim, so we can't do it. So the Gon and various of the Chayadam and various of the Archashulchan or Moshe Feinstein, various Gedolei Aposkim within the Lithuanian tradition followed the Gra and they opposed the custom, again, either trees or greenery in general, they opposed this beloved custom, but obviously in, in much of Europe, the custom remained, uh, remained in effect, and today, of course, every shul I've been to, I think, that does something on Shavuos, they put at least some kind of flowers in the shul. So why do we disagree? What, 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 what's the issue here? So some posts can explicitly make this point, that, that this is basically the Grah Lashitasi. The Grah had, had his expansive view of Chukas HaGoyim, that even things that make sense, even things that have a logical explanation, as, if, it's, if it's a Goyish custom, then we, then, then we have to immediately be suspect. Unless we can find a Ksiva Baraisa, then we can't do it. But others say, others say that the, others say that no, that anything that has a rational basis is fine. Rav Yosef Shal Nathanson was one of the defenders of the custom. He discusses the Rivash, he discusses the Kash of the Gra, that, uh, that, 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 what do you mean? That, uh, that, that, that what, what do you mean that Sarf and Al-Malach and the feast things on Mutter because they have a rational basis? But the Gemara says, Exiva Baraisa. Other than that, it will be Asr, the Goan says. So the Shalom Eshev explains. He says, if, 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 he says that Chukah means something that the Seichel is not Machayev. If the Seichel, if, the, if, if reason is not Machayev it and it comes from the Goyim, then it's, uh, then it's Asr. Something that says in the Torah, that means obviously the Seichel is Machayev. The, the things the Torah says are things that the Seichel is Machayev even though the Torah has chukim as well, but according to the Shoal Lameshev, he says that the, 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 the idea here is anything which is logical, anything in the Torah by definition is logical, is not chukas and that's what the Gemara means. It, it doesn't mean that 
that, that it, it hinges exclusively on whether it says it but in the Torah or not. It means it hinges on whether it's logical or not. And that's the Pshat of the Rivash. And that, that's the Pshat of the Rivash. The Rivash said you're allowed to visit graves even during Shiva, that it's not Chuksagayim because, it's a, because, it, because it makes sense, because it's, it's a form of covered for the mace. Otherwise, Hesped would be Asr as well, because the Goyim do Hesped as well. And we said before, there's no riot from Hesped because Hesped is Ksiva Baraisa. It says, it says in the Torah Hesped. So, but, but this Minog of visiting the cemetery during Shiva, that's not in the Torah, so what's the comparison? So the, so the, the Shol Meshav says, it's what I just told you. There's no, there's no inherent Mila to being in the Torah. If it's Chuksagayim, it's Chuksagayim. Being in the Torah is not Mila Amarud. Being in the Torah is just a proxy for making sense. So the, the whole point of Ksiva Baraisa, it's just a short, it's just a shortcut. It's a way of, it's a way of knowing for sure that it makes sense. If we have other customs that make sense, that's also fine. It doesn't have to be Ksiva Baraisa. So the, the Shalmeshev is defending the Rivash and the Marik and the Ran and the Rama that anything that makes sense, even if it's a Gaish custom, is fine. And therefore, he says, we can defend the custom, the Minig Israel of having trees. He says, he says, we know that the Vilna Gaon was was opposed to it. He says it's Chuksa Gaim. However, the Gaon says. No, it's not, because the, the Shalom Eishif says it's not, because anything that we do for Kavod, is not, it's not Paklal, it's not, it's not Paklal Chuksagayim. If it has a rational basis, it's not Paklal Chuksagayim. So it's a little bit unclear whether, in different poskim, whether the, the criterion is whether we, we do it for Kavod, whether the Gaim themselves are doing it for Kavod. The Shalom Eishif goes goes so far as to tell us even they only do it as an innocent form of celebration and, uh, and Kavod, not for any... Uh, problematic religious reason. He has a fascinating comment. He says that he instructed people to consult the, the Christian, to ask them, what, what are you doing here with the greenery? What, what is the meaning of this, he says. And he got, he got a response from a Christian elder of some sort, from a senior Christian person of some sort, that we, there's, there's no real religious significance here. It's just a question of kavod, v'hidra bayis, be'etzim noem. We're just honoring the holiday. We're, we're, we're just celebrating by putting greenery in our, in, our, uh, in our homes. Therefore, he says, it's not a religious custom. So, so even though we got it from them, even if we did get it from them, even if it's a non-Jewish custom, it doesn't matter, he says, even though it's not ksiva baraisa, as long as it's an innocent custom, it has a rational explanation, it's not a religious or problematic custom, it has a perfectly logical explanation, then it is mutter, that's fine. Marsham takes a similar position, Marsham explains why we do it, and he doesn't get into why the Christians do it, he explains why we do it, but this is why Poskim and the Minog disagrees with the Gra, because the Gra is following this, uh, this, this very broad, very stringent interpretation of Chuksagayim, that even things that have a rational basis, if they are non-Jewish customs and are not written in the Torah, they're Asr. However, the opinion of the Marik and the Ran and the Rivash and the Ramah and the Sh- and, and, and Rav Nathanson and the Sri Daesh, they all take the position that Meikar Adin, that the Halacha follows the, view, the, the, the lenient view that Chuksagayim is much more narrow, even if we don't accept the Urayim, that it's only the enumerated things in the Gemara, it does have to be things that don't have a rational basis. Anything that has a perfectly sensible rational basis for us and even for the Gayim, that's fine. There's no prohibition of Chuksagayim in such cases. And that's just Ridaish's position, and so on, Ravadi Yosef. So getting back now, to, so again, so Zorbatal Zolti and Ravasher Weiss are both, are both Machmer like the Grah. And again, certain Litvish posts can be in the context of the, the custom of Shavuos, were actually Machmer like this Grah. They, they said you should follow the Grah. And Ravasher Zolti and Rav, Ravasher Weiss follow the Grah and Bir Hagra, and they say a person should be Choshesh not to do any non Jewish custom 
if, it, uh, if, if we're borrowing it from the guy, and even if it has a rational basis, you shouldn't do it in these contexts, like funerals and monuments and so on. Nevertheless, the Ikra din of most poskim seems to follow the Ramah and follow the Rishonim, that, like, like Ravad Yosef says, that, that anything that has a rational basis is not, uh, is not a suspiciously pagan custom or an un-Jewish and a modest custom, is fine, is not prohibited as Chukzagai. So getting back to our, getting back to our, original, our original question, we, we mentioned from Rav Chaim Palaji that he was saying that the, that the use of firecrackers, he says, the use of gunpowder in, cel- in celebrations, presumably you're allowed to use it uh, as a weapon if you need a weapon, but the, the use of gunpowder in a celebratory context that comes from the, that comes from the nations of the world, it, it, it's not proper for Jews to do that, and it violates Los Asek Maseh. So again, I, I'm not sure if Rechaim Pelagi meant this strictly, literally, or not, but if he did, it's, it, it, it seems to be, you know, arguably, it's against the, the consensus. It's, it, it's like Rebetal Zolti and, and the Gra and, and the and of Russia Weiss, but it's against the, the consensus of Rishonim and Akronim, that, that anything that has a rational basis and is not a pagan custom, even things like Sarfan al-Malachim, burning the personal accessories of kings to show respect for the king, is mutter, and so on. And presumably, you know, the, 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 it, it's very similar, actually, to Rebetal Zolti's case of the of the, of the gun salutes. Rabbi Talzolti himself agrees that according to the Ramah and some of the Rishonim would be mutter, he just says that we should be choshish for the gra, that it's usher. So I'm not sure if Rechaim Pelagi is being also, is, is Paskin like the gra, is being choshish for the gra. It's also possible, there is an idea that Rav Asher Weiss himself says earlier in, in, in his analysis, and Rav Adi Yosef suggests this as well in the Tshuva, that sometimes Poskim invoke Kuksagayim when they don't like a custom for, for, for other reasons as well, they pile on and they say it's a question of chuksagayim. It might not strictly be chuksagayim, but, but when Postman are trying to make a point and trying to oppose something, they throw in chuksagayim. Rav Avad Yosef is discussing a, a, a statement of Rav Shlomo Kluger that using a hearse, I think he's talking about using a hearse to transport a mace instead of carrying it the traditional way, which was to carry it by hand, by, by humans carrying it by hand, it's chuksagayim, you're copying the gayim. Says Ravadia, what are you talking about? I mean, that using a hearse is logical. It, it makes it easier to carry the, the mace. It's, it's, it's a perfectly logical and sensible thing to do. It's not superstitious. It's not immodest. It's a very reasonable and rational thing to do. Of course, it's not chuksagayim. Ravadia says Rav Shlomo Kluger knew that as well. When Rav Shlomo Kluger said it was chuksagayim, he meant that in his time they, 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 they were fighting the reform and that the, and that, and that the reform were trying to introduce, all, were trying to jettison all kinds of aspects of Jewish tradition and to incorporate other th- aspects of other religions and other cultures, and the, the traditional Rabbanim fought a vehement uh, defensive war against this, so they condemned everything and they threw in chuksagayim, but it doesn't mean strictly speaking it's chuksagayim. Objectively, absent the context, it wouldn't be chuksagayim, but he was opposed to it because he thought it was a reforming, reformist and inappropriate innovation. Similarly, Rav Asher Weiss says, he brings from the Maram Shik that people who use non-Jewish names, people who use European or American names, they violate the Alav Daraisa of Chuksagayim. Says Rav Asher Weiss, what are you talking about? He says, the Gemara says, the, Jew, the, the Gemara is full of Amaram who had non-Jewish names. Rishonim had non-Jewish names. The Gemara testifies that Jews in its time, which is Rov Goyim Shabachutz, Rov, Rov Yisrael Shabachutzlar, most Jews in the diaspora had non-Jewish names. How can you possibly claim that it's a lav daraisa to use a non-Jewish name? Says Rav Asher, Maram Shik knew that as well, but this is a custom he said, that he says occasionally Postkin, when, when they were fighting, uh, you, have to, you, have to, you have to consider the context. When Postkin were fighting what they felt were 
problematic reformist tendencies. They, would, they, they fought it tooth and nail. They didn't want to give an inch, and they, and they piled on, and they called it Chuxagayim. They didn't mean it was literally Chuxagayim. They meant in that time, in that place, where we're using a European name, meant that you were abandoning tradition and trying to assimilate into Western society. That was the, they, they called that Chuxagayim. But it doesn't mean, strictly speaking, that something as innocuous as using a non-Jewish name, something that's objectively absent the context, absent that particular context, as innocuous as using a non-Jewish name, it would actually be Chuxagayim. So it's possible, I guess, or if Chaim Palaji thought this was a terrible idea on other grounds, that he held it was, uh, that like, like he says, it's an instrument of death, that you shouldn't use that for Moadim, he, he felt it just wasn't an appropriate custom, and Rav Zilberstein you know, and Rav Edelstein are arguing that it's dangerous, it causes injuries and pikuach nefesh. So yeah, so it could be in these cases they were opposed to the custom for other reasons, so they threw in Chuxagayim as well, but, 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 but putting aside the question of Sakana and so on, if we ask ourselves objectively whether using gunpowder to celebrate, to celebrate Yom Tov, Purim, or a wedding, again, assuming it can be done uh, safely, which I'm not sure it can, but assuming it can be done safely, and those concerns wouldn't exist, would there be an issue of Chuxagayim? So, uh, it, it, uh, that, the bottom line is, it's Machlokas. The, the Vilna Gon has a stringent view that Chuxagayim includes anything which is a non-Jewish custom, even if it's uh, innocent, uh, innocuous custom that has a rational explanation, and Rabbi Tzal Zelti and Rabbi Asher Weiss are choshish for this, at least in some context. Midokisa, the Gon, is disagreeing with the several Rishonim, apparently, and the Ramah Paskins, Lahakal, he's disagreeing with the Ramah, and a number of other Akronim, like Ravadi Yosef and Rabbi Hilak of Weinberg, have said that the Iker is like the Rishonim, that anything that has a rational explanation, even if it's a non-Jewish custom, is fine. I'll just close by mentioning, by mentioning something, uh, one provocative bit, that we're, we're, you know, we're criticizing firecrackers and gunpowder as being chuksagayim. There were Svardik poskim who felt that the entire custom of dressing up on Purim is actually potentially chuksagayim. They felt that it was, that, as we discussed, I think, last year, we discussed previously, there were poskim who argued, Rav Yosef Masas and uh, Rameir Mazuz, have argued that it was, it, was, it, was not, it was not a Jewish custom. It first appears in Italy in the 15th century or so, and it, 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 it's borrowed from Carnival, they say. It's a Carnival falls out this time of the year where certain European traditions have this uh, revelry and this, this, this kind of uh, this kind of Dionysian uh, you know, getting drunk and getting, and, 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 and getting dressed up and doing all kinds of pretzels. It may even, Ramasas argues, it may even have idolatrous roots in the classical you know, Greco-Roman tradition for, for Zeus and so on, for the, for the ancient Avodazars of the Greeks. Be that as it may, so some, the, the, for Ashkenazim, getting dressed up on Purim is an iconic minhag that we all do. For Svardim, more recently, apparently, the Svardim do it as well. Historically, Svardim did not do it, apparently, and uh, Rav Mazuz said it's a relatively recent innovation, and they actually suggest that it's a question of, of Chukzagayim. Rav Mazuz says, he's not actually saying it's Oster, he's, he's agreeing that, 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 that it's Mutter, that it is a minhag, he says, you can do it. It does, have, it does have some sources, even though they're tenuous in Judaism. So, not saying it's Oster, Mikra, Din, but just be aware, you know, we can go after firecrackers of being chukzagayim, but there's, uh, there's, there's possibly uh, also a case that the whole idea of dressing up on Purim is chukzagayim. So again, the, 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 the most important thing is that, that we have these two very different opinions, perspective of chukzagayim. We, 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 have, we have the stringent view that, that sees it very broadly. The Vilna Gon, endorsed at least in some context by Rabbi Zelti and Rabbi Weiss, that anything is usher. If it doesn't have an objective and inherent value, if, 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 if it's a custom that we're borrowing, a, a social convention of the non-Jews is usher. 
connected that, we have a, a number of Rishonim, the Marik, the Rivash, the Ran, the Rama, a number of Gidol Achronim, Rabavadia, who all say that the Iker is like the, is, is like the lenient view, the, the narrow view of Chuksagayim, that anything that has a rational basis is permitted, even if it's not something that's inherently and logically self-evident, we wouldn't have done it on our own, it's mutter anyway, because, it, because it's not superstitious, it's not immodest, it's not un-Jewish, and therefore, it, and therefore it's okay.